welcome each and every person here to this eight-day retreat together. And with this being the opening talk, I would like to speak a little bit about the background to uh, these retreats, a little bit to you about uh, IMS itself, and the general uh, outline and guidelines which accompany this uh, situation here. As uh, some of you <coughs> will know, in uh, recent months at uh, IMS there has been in its um, 19th uh, year quite some degree of refurbishment taking place and a little while ago uh, Shada sitting next to me here uh, took me on a short conducted tour and I've been told that there are now 60 uh, single rooms at IMS and whatever, 20 double rooms or whatever the number is. And with the intention from IMS board, staff, teachers and people who uh, know the centre here to make the situation here as supportive and as caring for as many people as possible. And in just walking through the annex. I think my last visit in the annex was 1978. Um, it looks like, so I'm told or reminded, there have been quite some considerable uh, changes o over there. And I think in a supportive and silent and still uh, environment that hopefully for each and every person here during the days that your inner life will be a reflection of the outer circumstances of the Annex. Supportive, kind, soft, silent and still. We shall see. And, uh, and if not, then perhaps an appeal should go out to return to the old condition. <laughs> but anyway. So, in coming into retreat situation and a retreat uh, um, environment. It's a form, in fact, which has a very long-standing and quite remarkable tradition to it. And it's a tradition which has uh, emphasized in uh, no uncertain terms a few essential and primary themes of life. And under those themes, it's usually called spiritual, the themes embrace deep awareness of silence in life, the facing in an unshakable way the nature of one's existence, the capacity to be aware and touch the, the depths that can be revealed through exposure to the here and now. The awakening of the heart so that it can never ever go back to sleep again. And a realization of life which acknowledges the 
greatest thing of all in life, and that is an awakened life, a free and liberated life. And the teachings which have been taking place here for the last two decades since the centre was opened in the 1970s have in various ways and means have kept great faith and great trust in that tradition of awakening of heart and mind to reveal the true nature of things. And it belongs to a wider tradition of humanity which goes back not just one or two, three or four uh, generations, but in fact goes back thousands of years. And in various forms, whether it's been the monastery, or the jungle, or the cave, or the desert, or solitude, or men and women meeting together in the depths of silence, something essential has been preserved as an ongoing reminder to human beings that the true depths of life come through bringing great awareness to life, not through cerebral activity, not through tremendous accumulations of knowledge and information, but through a consciousness which is willing and able to stop, to be still, to be utterly attentive, and to be deeply receptive and to see what touches, to see what touches us. And it's a very lovely and beautiful tradition, but it's a tradition too which asks and perhaps demands rather a lot of each and every human being who is willing to give her or his time to the silence and stillness and to the contemplation on life itself. And as I said, uh, IMS, to its tremendous uh, credit, has honoured and pays respect to it year in and year out. And so thousands, tens of thousands of people have come, have sat in this hall, have participated in retreats ranging from a weekend up to the intensity of three months or retreats, who wish to say to themselves in clear, unequivocal terms, let me be still, let me face this life, let me look into it, let me see what can be discovered and realized through awareness, through making consciousness available to the immediacy of things. And in a way, in all of this, the religion itself, whether it's Buddhism or any other uh, religion, that's all part of the field of entertainment and is rather peripheral to the contemplative nature of life and our ability to be aware for insight and for awakening. In the spirit of uh, all, all of this, we have a retreat. We have a number of uh, days uh, here together. And through the days, there are a number of 
uh, activities, or one might even equally say non-activities, uh, which take place morning, noon and night. And those activities are such that we do regard uh, each and every one of them with very much an equal eye. That everything in life which you and I engage in is worthy of attention, is worthy of acknowledgement. And like that extraordinary poet Rilke comments in one of his poetry, he asks poems, he asks about what's the mission of life, and he said, to notice the stars. What's the mission of life? To see the flowers. What's the mission of life? To be awake, to be alert. And the opportunity of meditation takes it out of the language of poetry and into the language of immediate experience to understand what it is to see things, to be aware of things, to be connected to things, to experience things. And we can daydream our existence a way in which our being touched with the things of life remain a blind spot to us. The contemplative life is a life of connecting with the things of life. And that includes, of course, our inner life as much as the world which is immediately around us, which gives support and upholds our existence moment after moment. The three of us who are uh, teaching here together during the days have um, been teaching together for um, several years, uh, Shada and I, for the, about the past uh, uh, ten years, both uh, here and other parts of the world, and four or five years with uh, Jose, again here and in uh, other parts of a rather small world which we are hopefully trying to learn to coexist together in. And in that it's a delight to have the opportunity, I don't know how rare it is in the corporate world, but in the spiritual world it's rather a privilege to have the chance to work with one's very close friends and to have that uh, sense of uh, empathy and intimacy with people that one loves to be with and have the chance to work together with as well. And I just wish it was like that in every office that you work in. And sometimes some of the stories which we hear on retreat, sometimes the, the world of the heart, as you know, can pass people by. Not easy. So in our days, here with the fullness of, of the day, that it uh, begins at uh, six o'clock in the morning, it continues through until uh, 9.30 in the evening, and with the day there's, of course, the meditations, sitting, walking, standing meditations, and also there are times of small group uh, meetings with you, 
one of the purposes among the many with the small group um, um, meetings is an opportunity for Shada, Jose and uh, myself, of course, to meet and to connect with you, to get the opportunity to um, um, answer um, any questions that you have or to avoid answering them if they're difficult. And also to have the same opportunity to ask yourselves uh, uh, questions as well about how the day is for you, how the practices uh, are for you. And one of the usefulnesses, of course, about uh, meetings in small group uh, activities that human experience is um, exceptionally a shared event. The private world isn't really existing really, it's part of a mythology and sometimes when we do listen to uh, others we can appreciate how close and how reflective of our own experience others' experiences are and hopefully it does help to bring us all a little bit closer together in the deeper sense of that. So the small groups have an opportunity and provide it for people to hear each other's experiences and concerns and joys and pains of uh, life. And in those um, times, hopefully, not only for the person who may be speaking at that time, but for others, that it can be a resource and a point of insight and understanding as well. The day also um, includes uh, the uh, evening talks and um, every uh, evening soon after seven o'clock in the evening there is a talk and the evening talk addresses some uh, issue of the life situation and in that a fair bit of the raw material for the evening talk in fact comes from you uh, yourselves. <coughs> so sometimes things which are brought up in small groups or in one-to-ones or in the events experiences uh, of the day do provide uh, a great resource and so please don't be surprised if uh, you find things that you may have uh, said in these uh, meetings in some way being reflected back or commentated upon, no names mentioned of course, uh, um, in the evening talk as quite often the concern of one person, as I said previously, is, has a much wider concern to it. And with the uh, talks, with the meetings, with the instructions, uh, etc. and the general guidelines which uh, take place here. The motivation with these things and the intention that gives them support does matter and in fact it matters a great deal. And what I um, mean by that is that in the same time-honoured tradition it's been said and is being said at this time as well how important it is to remember that whatever is said in this hall during the days has a primary purpose and intention uh, to be a contribution 
towards insight, towards understanding, towards clarity of heart and, and mind. And there isn't any intention or um, interest to cajole or persuade or uh, convert uh, anything that is said. And certainly have no intention, neither Shada nor Jose, in um, whatever, encouraging people to become uh, uh, Buddhists or any, anything uh, l like that. I have absolutely no stomach for labels whatsoever and prefer that other people don't take them up either. And I think there are far more important things in life than adopting labels. We already seem to have enough hanging around us already. Why add to our collection? More important in life is wisdom and compassion, insight and understanding, and a penetrative perception of what it is to exist on this earth. That's what matters. That's what we're perhaps short of in this world. So, hopefully the general body of the teachings which take place in the various forms over the days uh, here do, we hope, communicate to each and every person here the emphasis on wisdom and compassion, on heartfulness and awareness as primary movers in the situation. What gives support to uh, spiritual teachings is the ethical element, the ethical component to, to that. And without the ethics giving support, then in a way meditation is just a kind of you know, mental gymnastics. It's, uh, um, it's unsupported with anything else. And meditation itself can never be separated from some um, underlying value system. And in this has been generally uh, summarized as a commitment to non-violence, non-exploitation and non-abuse. And of course there are in this world that we live in many manifestations uh, of that, but the kind of framework, we might say, uh, the thing which holds it all, all together is along the lines of treating others as one would wish to be treated. And that's the primary ethic of spiritual life, treating others as one would wish to be treated. Whether those others are in one's immediate locality, or whether those others are further afield. And so often in our rage against life, in our political, religious ideologies, in our clinging to various kind of notions, we can quickly forget what it means to treat others wherever, as one would wish to be treated, to live with that sense of interconnectedness so that it genuinely and authentically informs 
our views about anybody and anything. And that isn't an easy one to take to the heart, especially if the heart is containing violence, aggression, self-righteousness, arrogance, and the brutalities which harm the rest of life. So the looking into ourselves here and looking well and clearly into ourselves is meant to inform us in fresh ways and that takes some doing. With the day, with the fullness uh, of the day, one of the things which gives great support to contemplative life is of course um, uh, silence and though there is often um, generally in the retreat literature, I'm sure, references to uh, uh, silence. It's, um, it in a way takes itself a step further than just being um, rather quiet or whispered conversations. It's quite a commitment to be in silence. And I heard just before coming into the hall, again from um, uh, Shada, that during the days of the retreat uh, here, quite a number of the staff, in fact, are also participating in uh, retreat and some uh, friends of the centre are coming in to give them support by taking over some of their duties uh, as well. And so that will mean, in practical terms, quite an extra degree, in fact, of silence uh, during these days here. And for those of you who are new to retreats, or for whom it is the first time of coming here to um, 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 IMS, it does take, understandably so, a little while for adjustment to the new situation and to being here, and perhaps particularly to what it is to be in silence. What is this extraordinary thing of life where we allow for quite a few hours of the day for the world of language to have no part in our life? That even we are willing that the internal language called thought to even let the momentum and the potency, the influential potency of that, even let, allow that to fade, hopefully long enough to be receptive in a different kind of way. So each person's silence of being, silence of uh, speech, each person's commitment and connection with the silence, in a very direct and real way, gives genuine and authentic support to everybody else's silence. And it's perhaps silence can inform us in ways which information cannot. But we can only find this out through our experience, not through the likes of me and others telling you. The Buddha himself was called Sakyamuni. Sakya 
means the people, the nation that he came from, a small nation state in the north of India two and a half thousand years ago. Muni means silent one, silent one of the Sakyans. And the number of he talks that uh, the Buddha gave makes the rest of us in small change. And so in the world of language, with all its tremendous value and tremendous resource, not to let it overshadow that which can be inform us through silence. So, being respectful to silence and each person's capacity to feel the silence, to, be, to know the silence, to allow things which may have been hidden to shine through, pleasantly, unpleasantly as it might be. In being here, there are, of course, uh, periods of the day, such as the, the work period, and before you came into the hall here, some of the staff will have been explaining and giving their general guidelines with the work period. And the three of us would like to express uh, appreciation to all of you engaged in the uh, work period, and it has two aspects to it, fairly self-evident. One of them is that work and human activity is a, a vital and indispensable component of human life in various forms, and therefore to bring to it a, an awareness and an interconnectedness as the work takes place. And the other aspect of it is that your contribution through the work period in a very real way helps the running of the centre and helps to keep the daily rate as low, it is, low as it is. And as you'll know there are not too many places around which can provide retreats at the daily rate that IMS does and in the tremendous support that's there. And I was told that something like $600,000 was raised for all this refurbishment through uh, the first half of the year and that's a statement in itself of the kindness and love that people have for uh, the centre at um, uh, IMS. So with the work period, it, your work activity in the morning period after breakfast really helps each and every person who is here and all the successive generations that will be coming. Finally, with the, the day uh, itself and in the fullness uh, uh, of the day, sometimes people come armed with a, um, a library of books or they bring their word processor or they um, decide to start in their um, autobiography which would probably sell far more than Mrs. Margaret Thatcher's. But um, really there are far more important things in um, uh, life and in so far as while here please please do maximize the time for meditation maximize the time for the silence for spiritual life and practices and I think perhaps in the old days one of the small advantages 
of when there were two people in every room here was one acted as the fairy godmother over the other. Now you've got more personal responsibility and one could easily use one's room for a total sloughing off, crashing, <laughs> crashing out and being so silent and still you impress your neighbours. And so do be aware of what happens to you um, when you um, open the door to, for those of you who have the dubious privilege of a single room of what you do once you're in it and there are some people who on retreat I noticed they come and do a sitting and then take three hours to recover on their mattress <laughs> and I think the time can be shortened <laughs> so um, again um, with the uh, meditation hall in here which is in a way the, the power center of the place and what takes place when you leave, leave, leave the hall be very very watchful of the uh, tricky mind and what goes uh, on with it in the name of awareness so again we speak of the fullness of the day through from 6 in the morning to 9.30 in the evening. But of course making allowances, sometimes people arrive on retreats and uh, quite exhausted, uh, stressed out, burnt out, major issues going on in life. And some rest and renewal uh, is important. But there's a difference obviously between, between that and... Um, uh, sleepwalking through a retreat. So as I say, listen very well and very clearly and as carefully as you can uh, uh, to yourselves because if we change, if our life is less whatever, greedy, desirous, selfish, egotistical, con conceited, anxious, fearful, aggressive, negative, if that is coming out of our internal life, it has to benefit immensely every human being that you and I have contact with. If there's greater joy and happiness and depth of contentment in our existence, it will show itself and it will be remarkably supportive to others and be beneficial for them. If our heart is awakened, if there is deep realization, if there is an enlightened and liberated life, which is the birthright of every human being, it will be of benefit for others in our actions, in our speech, in our communications, in our being in this world. And hopefully the reflections and the recollections of that will add a little bit more juice to us we're here for others as much as we are here for ourselves. We're here on their behalf as much as our, on our own behalf because we're all in this thing called existence together. Jose will uh, speak to you for a few minutes and then um, after that we'll have uh, five minutes to stretch the legs and then 
Um, Shada will give some uh, meditation uh, instructions and then we'll ha- uh, followed by a short meditation to call it a day. Do you want this? I'm delighted to have an opportunity to contribute with my voice to the launching of this um, eight days of intimacy with ourselves, intimacy which inevitably becomes intimacy with each other and the source of solid and lasting friendships as Christopher was referring to a moment ago. Uh, Just a few days ago I was in this very hall, uh, teaching with uh, Christina Van Marcia in the family retreat. And I assure you that uh, there's a world of difference between the hall then and the hall now. Some of the very cushions you were sitting on were being used to make big uh, uh, constructions and children were pulling one child at each end of the cushion to see who was stronger and there were uh, even shrieks coming out of those uh, interactions and uh, so under those conditions the ability to remain quiet and uh, and reflective were going through great challenge I must say I I came to like very much and appreciate very much the intensity and the possibilities of the family retreat. And um, I'm referring to that because uh, the very same difficulties that are so much in evidence in the family retreat, people being very, very sensitive to their own shortcomings through uh, experience them uh, the whole imaginary shortcomings, should I say, experience them, imagining them through their children, uh, are not very different from us in the external silent, uh, hearing nevertheless inner voices that seem to be dissonant, that are sometimes very difficult, and uh, which uh, seem to reflect uh, shortcomings largely because we invent expectations and of course when there wherever there's expectation there's also something coming short of that expectation so to to be aware that uh, we have to gain some some deep deep silence through these days and you have to we have to acknowledge all that that stands in the way of that Uh, if uh, previous retreats are any indication of what's going to happen here I know that there will be some very very deep uh, work in examining each one of you your lives, your difficulties, 
and in coming to touch those uh, very s solid places inside, very difficult places inside sometimes, very peaceful places inside. I, I'm in awe of all the work that's ahead. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.